Good morning. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> Bagabucci, how are you? Doing all right, man. Just trying to um, enjoy this time off from work. I'm down here in North Carolina at the beach, but it's been raining for like the last three days. So we're really just kind of sitting in the house. But I mean, listen, I'm not working, so it's um, almost just as good. Hey, that's the that's the best part. So, no, I just I, I wanted to say thank you for you know short notice just uh, coming on, so you know we could talk because you know some things you know I feel like you know my listeners need to hear from someone other than someone that looks like them. You know, fair, yeah. That's I mean I appreciate you um, you know asking me to come on and and uh, you know thinking of me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm an, I'm an open book, so whatever you want to talk about, you know, I'm here to yeah. um, here to talk about. No problem. So I'm just gonna do my little intro, and then we're gonna get the ball rolling. Sounds good. So, all right, I just want to thank everybody for joining me on the episode of Melanin Dads. I do have a special guest with me, uh, Mr. Anthony Akabuchi, which. Uh, you know, now since, well, I don't know, I feel like you've always been a transparent person as long as I've known you. So I'm going to just say like this, uh, you know, you you are the first person. I mean, I'm only, this is only my, my eighth or ninth ep- episode. So you're the first person sure. other than um, a black person that's been on here. Um, okay. But also I feel like um, it it is important to get, someone else's you know the other side of the story um and just how you feel because you know I, I've, I've known since day one um that i met you um so many years ago because it's been a long ass time um, it's been over a decade at this point yeah it's been a very long time and i, I always knew from the first time we met that you were always going to be somebody i knew when the time came for us to fight in this battle that's been going on since the dawn of this country that i knew that you know you're somebody that i always can look at and be like okay this is someone that's going to stand up for me and my kids um when it came to that time you know no you you know and i appreciate you saying that too because i can i can think back to you know when we first met when i when i moved out here to philadelphia from jersey and um you know i didn't really know anybody um i certainly didn't know a lot of black people you know where Mm -hmm. i grew up it was predominantly white i think my i think my high school class we graduated was like 400 kids in the class i think maybe like four black kids you know everybody else was white um right you know what I mean? And so it was a bit of a culture shock, I know, when I moved out. And um, you and Keith, um, RIP you know, to Keith Johnson, who I know we both miss, um, you know, you guys were the first two people that I really made, uh, you know, I thought like real connections with. Um, and so, you know, I appreciate that we're still in each other's life in, 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 in any capacity here 10 years right. later, man. Yeah, I think it is important when you had that connection or even if it's i always tell people hey we might not talk for five years whatever case may be but when the time comes for us to come together like voltron it's not going to be like <laughs> we miss any type of time or anything you know it's it's about who you can pick up the conversation with five years ten years later like it never ended you yeah. know what i mean but i feel like that builds the best friendships the, the, the last part that's recorded yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it already when it when I when it cut off, it already saved the file. So I'm just gonna pick up and, and yeah. yeah, I'm at the point where I'm fuck it. I'm not doing no editing. Y'all just gonna hear the shit. Just deal with it. That's funny. So now I was saying like um, you know it it it's 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 not about uh you know having animosity mm-hmm. towards 
one particular ethnicity. It's about just all just loving each other. You know, I just feel like none of that is going on in the world. It's not happening in our country, especially at this point in time. You know, yeah. um, but I, I wanted to bring bring you on and also let my viewers know why I brought you on. And I mentioned okay. earlier about just getting the other side of the scale. Um, but also what really made made me attracted to, you know, having this conversation with you is just that um, your your political uh, portion, which you don't really actively, you're not like an over political person, but it's enough right. to know how you feel, you know, and I think that's important, you know, um, like your stance, like I, I, I first noticed that you started getting from, this is just for me outside looking in. Um, and that yeah. was regarding, um, the, the former mayor of uh, Indiana, which was, um, Pete Budden, is Budinger? Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg's. Yeah. So my fault. I, I knew I was going to, I sat there and I was looking, I was like, I'm not going to mess this guy's name up. I'm not going to, and then I still well, did listen, anyway. I, I like him because, I like him because we both have terrible last names that nobody can pronounce. Yeah. Cause no, your, your name. Anywho. Yeah. It's all so, what um but then i was looking and saw that you know um he originally was going to run for Dem the democratic party and i know that you were actively involved in uh his political party and you know bringing awareness and stuff around the city um so yeah. can you first talk about that what made you get into politics uh to the point where you were driven to go and you know promote you know this particular person yeah so i mean I've always been a political person, um, but obviously, you know, you know, when I, when I was younger, it was a very different time and people didn't really discuss their politics um, as, <laughs> quite as openly as we do now. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's something that politics has, has always been something that's interested me. It's always been something that I followed, even from when I was like a like a young kid, man, um, like while everybody else in like 1992, when I was in like fifth grade and everybody else you know, decorated their desks with like, you know, Ninja Turtles and that kind of stuff. Like I had like a, I had like a Clinton Gore poster on there. So <laughs> it's something that I, I've always paid attention to. Um, I've always thought to myself to be like politically engaged, right. And politically aware, but not necessarily like politically active. Um, I mean, for me, you know, the, if we're going to be honest, I mean, the ultimate, um, you know, piece that really kind of started it was 2016, right? It was the election of Donald Trump. Um, when I saw that happen, it was a thing that I just could never have imagined to actually happen in this country. Um, you know, from my perspective, you know, I, I look at him, he's like, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm very familiar with the guy. Like he's, he's such an obvious con man and it, and it blows my mind that other people don't see that. Um, mm -hmm. So I decided at that point, you know, I voted in every election I've had an opportunity to since I've been of legal age to do it. Presidential elections, midterm elections, Senate, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and at that point, I realized voting, j just me walking out and voting is no longer enough. Right. Like I've I've done my part every time I've been asked to went out there, cast my ballot. And this still happened. Mm -hmm. So I knew at that point that I was going to have to get more involved. Um, I actually started going back to school um, specifically to study political science and public administration so that hopefully, you know, in a couple of years when I 
finish out <clears throat> everything there, I can and make a transition in my career um, to actually work within the government, try to, you know, push positive change um, from that aspect. In wow. the meantime, I decided that, you know, hey, you know, both because, you know, it's something that I truly am passionate about and because I'm going to be trying to change my career path at 40, I decided that, you know, hey, getting involved um, in, in this election, this presidential election cycle in some way can help me build connections um, and make a difference at the same time. Right. So it was kind of a, a, a double win for me in, in that regard. So. Yeah, I mean, I was following, you know, the Democratic primary. I've always identified as, as a Democrat for, um, you know, basically my entire uh, adult life, um, just on ideology and policy. You know, um, conservative views in general don't really line up with where my um, politics is a funny thing where, I don't know, to me, I look at politics and it's not just politics, right? like what your politics are and what your ideology are also kind of talks about what your values are and what your morals are. Um, and, right. and to me, you know, the Republican Party is just, it just does not align, right? It never really has. The Democratic Party to me has always been, you know, the party of the working class and the party that actually looks like America, right? Like we've got white people and black people and Asian people and, and, and you know, Native Americans, we look like a coalition that's, that's actually made up of the makeup of the country. Um, and that's always out to me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I started getting involved, paying attention to the different candidates and, um, you know, I landed on, on, on Pete mainly because I just saw something in him that was different, you know, I mean, we're, we're all talking about, um, you know, things in Washington never change. And, and, you know, meanwhile, we, you know, we're about to go into an election where you got two guys in their 70s, two old white guys in their 70s, right? So um, I saw Pete as somebody who, who was my age, right? We're both 38 years old. He He's a younger guy who, you know, was active duty in the military. Um, yeah, he, he said, right. And he started early. I didn't know he was 38, and then he was in the Afghan. So he was already a yes, veteran yeah. at that age, and was the mayor yeah, since yeah, he was so 30, yeah, right? He, he he actually deployed to Afghanistan oh. while he was um, the mayor in South Bend. He took a he took like a you know a leave of absence wow. um, to go serve. Um, you know he's um, you know first openly gay candidate, and so yeah, he's yeah. married to a man. So, yep, he's a married, you know, married he, to it, a it, man. Was, it, was yep. a, it was a it was a barrier breaker type situation as well, you know, and it's just I saw so many different him, so many different qualities that were that made him so interesting. And then I got to learn about, you know, really where he was, you know, policy wise. And um that I, I I really believed that, you know, he was he was the right guy for it. Now, you know, it didn't work out for him, and that's great, but I had a great experience. Um you know, through the process of going out and canvassing and, and knocking on doors and talking to people and, and phone banking and, um, you know, sending texts and organizing, um, you know, watch parties for debates and really just trying to, you know, bring more awareness uh, to him as a candidate. Because, again, you know, we're talking about a, a mayor in, you know, in South Bend, Indiana, who, you know, nobody really knows South Bend except for the fact that Notre Dame is there. Um, you know, going up against a guy like, you know, Joe Biden, who everybody knows because he was vice president for eight years, or Bernie Sanders, who, you know, 
they have Elizabeth Warren, you know, the, the name recognition that, that those candidates held um, is a lot to overcome. Um, I right. mean, what he was able to accomplish was, was also um, was pretty amazing. Um, you know, he, he won the Iowa caucus first time uh, openly gay candidate, you know, let alone ran for president and actually, you know, won a state. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, I could speak for myself and probably for, you know, everybody that worked as either a volunteer on that campaign or directly for the campaign is, you know, we were all very proud of what we accomplished, even though it might have ultimately fell short. But um, as you as you should, because you you stand you stood, excuse me, you stood for somebody that uh, a lot of people in this country are still afraid to be themselves, you know, uh, in the stance. So. It, it's huge, you know, and, um, uh, you know, transitioning from, you know, you being on the, the, the front lines of, you know, a political party, um, during his, you know, democratic, you know, race run. Then I transitioned to that, to seeing pictures of you protesting down city hall, um, you know, with Black Lives Matter, you know, posters. It really stood out to me to see, you know, someone um, who by society, uh, you know, give the title of privileged and give the title, you know, of all these things that are given, but for you to see someone shed all that, uh, you know, break those, um, you know, statistics and stand in line with other people that who are fighting for equality, it, it just, you know, I, I just wanted to say, you know, for, for for foremost, um, you know, thank well, you. Well, I that. mean, it, it's funny how many people, um, you know, that I've encountered, um, you know, African American people that I've encountered who have thanked me. You know, like they'll see me walk into the protest with a sign or something like that. You know, and I'm going by and they're saying thank you, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, thank you for being so patient. Thank you for, you know, putting up <laughs> with all the bullshit that that we've put your community through for, for so long, you know, not me personally, but the system, right. The system that, that was, that was built mm -hmm. that we all live in. And, um, you know, I, I always appreciate it, but I mean, thanks are, I mean, I appreciate it, but I, I feel like thanks are not necessary and it's almost, um, you know, it's almost silly for, for, for me to, to, to think that I deserve it. You know what I mean? Um, because you're right. Like I come from, you know, uh, a place of, of privilege just because of, you know, how I was born, you know, it, it's funny how many people I think mm -hmm. struggle with that, like, especially, I mean, white people, right? Like it's, it's tough for white people to kind of grasp that, that concept of, of white privilege. But I can think back, like I couldn't have been more than like 10 or 11, you know, the, the, the day that I realized like, Oh, being a white guy kind of has advantages, doesn't it? You, you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> It, it, it's it it hit me so young that like I clearly wasn't going to have to deal with some of the same things that other people would for for no reason whatsoever like I didn't earn that that privilege it's just simply that society looked at me differently um so yeah I don't know man I I, don't, I, I think I think that's I, I think that's important that part right there, that's the part I'm talking about where when we met, I knew you were different because 
one, yeah. you look different. You you didn't have the, you know, with the gauges, you didn't have the idea of what a white person is supposed to look like. You know, you, you stay true to yourself and what you wanted to be in life, you know, and I feel like if a lot more of us were like that, the problem that we have in this country would, I, I can't say it would be gone, but it, it would be less than what it is and p more people would be as humble as you are with accepting the fact like based off my skin I have these advantages over all these other people let me try to use these this privilege to my advantage for a change and give it back to people who yeah. don't have and, and it that's, you know and not for so Jules but I, this is the crazy yeah. part too right which is that I can tell you from experience I can tell you from like you know my life growing up as a white person is that like a lot of these same people that we run into, you know, be it in life, be it on the internet, you know, wherever, you know, who don't want to accept that like white privilege as a concept exists are legitimately like the same people who privately will joke about the fact that they have their lives easier. You know what I mean? Like they know it. They they all know it. They all know it, dude. Yeah. And it's just, I think the hardest thing is like people don't want to like people don't want to admit it publicly because it's like having to admit publicly that you you ha you hold a certain type of of privilege in society and the way that society is going to treat you it is to simultaneously admit that perhaps everything that you've earned in life wasn't always the product of your hard work. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I feel like that's right. like, it's, it's really tough for people to reconcile that. And I also think it's tougher. I think it's tougher white people to reconcile what they think is racism and what they think is racist. Um, speaking from my own experience, I can say is that like <clears throat> we're taught racism, at least through my generation, you know, I'm, Again, I'm 38 years old, so you know I grew up in the 80s, 90s. Um, but we were taught a very narrow scope of what racism is, right? So, like, basically, as long as I'm not running around dropping n bombs on you all day, I'm not racist. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were taught this very, very. I know. I if know. It was only and that simple. Is, like, but what, a lot of white people don't understand that it's not that simple because the way that society works and a lot of the things that are kind of <clears throat> built into the system that harm communities of color are built into the system in a way that shields white people's eyes from it right and so mm. we don't see that because we don't experience it and because, and because we don't experience is that it, like is call, that like what you call like pulling the pulling the is that uh is that like what you call pulling the wool oh, over percent yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, there's a reason why a lot of communities of, of of color, especially in urban areas, have issues with police. But white people in the suburbs love them some police. You know what I mean? Like, they're they don't see the way that policing can be harmful. They only see the way that policing treats them. And so. How do you right. break through? And, right? um, that's their I, entire perception yeah. of what policing is, or you know, and that's only one, obviously, one aspect of the way that society, you know, treats people differently.
Um, and so right. we don't we don't really see that. We don't experience that as you know as a collective, right? And we're taught a very narrow definition of racism, which is the over racism, right? That 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 open racism, not the systemic, not the covert, you know, the things that fly under the radar. We're not really taught that and we don't see it. And so mm -hmm. the perception of what is and isn't racist, you know, becomes very skewed depending on what what group you were born into and where where you grew up it's um it's something that even you know i don't know i i always think about this as a as, as a white guy is like you know how do i deliver this message because you know clearly black people trying to deliver this message hasn't resonated with a lot of people you know of of my of my skin color and I, I i can't figure it out for the life of me sometimes so, you know because um, i can break it down as simply as possible and there's just something that there's like some nagging thing that's just keeping people from like getting on board you know yeah i mean it it, it sounds like it should be something as easy as yeah. us talking right now um and I, I think the thing the thing is that I see is that instead of you know people um being offended by us saying like oh white people it's not geared towards you like if the shoe don't fit yeah. you know don't wear yeah. it you know um that's like even when I was going on my little rant you know I went on my little rant because it was so many people that I worked with that I share energy with that I didn't know felt this way about I can't say myself because I was it was never anything ever directed towards me but the simple fact that it's 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 not even it's not even talked about and I just see you you know um defending Trump I right there just tells me I know I know what's in your heart you know and um that I feel like for me being a black person I, I feel like when you were talking about um, that underlining, I feel like that's the biggest frustration to me because I'm like, I know you see the same things I see. It's not like I'm watching right. anything different, you know? So for that not to be like, okay, yeah, I know, I know he's a racist and I know he doesn't care about any minorities at all. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's black and white, yeah, like you I said, mean, you know? I'll, I'll be honest with you, dude. I think, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that 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 prevents us from being able to have these conversations though is the fact that like we're all just on the internet you know what i mean like like right i always think like how can we solve all these these issues that we're having right and it's like and i'm just as guilty because i i use it right but i think to myself like the first step is like shutting down all social media you know what i mean like the first step to us mm being able to even have like any kind of common dialogue is like shutting down social media because a it really just becomes like people don't talk to each other civilly you know um on the internet it's the same thing as like you know when you're in your car you'll yell at somebody in front of you in a way that you like never really yell at them to their face you know because they stop short on you yeah you know? right yeah yeah, you're not going. You're not going to say it. But when I'm protected in my street, you know, like in the car in front of me, like I'll yell whatever, yeah. you know. Um, 
but it's the same thing like online. It's like nobody's interested in having a real conversation. Everybody just wants to yell at each other. Everybody just wants to win. And the other problem is that we're just like, mm-hmm. you know, the disinformation, right? Like, I mean, you see, like, I see people older, like, uh, for example, I got, like, I won't mention anybody by name or anything like that, right? But, like, I got, a, I got a, a friend of mine that I know who I worked with in Sprint way back in the day in, like, New Jersey, but he's an older guy. Um, you know, so he's probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 years older than me or so, right? Older white guy, Italian guy. And um, by all accounts, this guy is, um, you know, lines up with, 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 with a lot of, you know, what I see, you know, with myself. Uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't really particularly like the conservative um, policies, definitely does not like Trump as a president in general, um, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. But when it comes to this issue, you know, he's an all lives matter guy. And um, it's, it's so weird to me because it's like, I know him. I know he's got a good heart. I know, um, you know, anything that I, I know, I know, I know he's not a bad guy by any means, you know, and, and I truly don't think that he's he's not he's not a racist guy, at least not in that narrowly defined definition that we were, we were taught growing up. Right? He's not overtly, you know, racist dude, but mm-hmm. he 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 struggles to, you know, because because he's he he gets fed a lot of this this propaganda online, you know, where it's like they're trying to discredit Black Lives Matter as a movement by obviously, you know, focusing on the very, very small portion of the protests that have turned into riots and looting. Um, you know, which again, it's like, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that, I don't think anybody's really doing themselves many favors with, with rioting and with looting, but like, you can't just simply try to stop the rioting and looting and condemn the rioting and looting without actually trying to do anything about the root cause that got us to the rioting and the looting. You know what I mean? Like, Right, um, and that's right, right. And I, and I and they yeah. kind of piggyback before we move forward on what you're saying. Um, I I recently because I I don't know I've been trying to li- listen to more, uh, you know, um, impactful music, and I was listening to um, Lupe Fiasco, and he said, you know, even though like one of his songs, he said, even though we out here rioting, um, do you uh along the lines of um, my hustler's mentality doesn't want me to go to prison. So if we were really focused on looting and causing damage, then we're definitely missing the message that we're trying to get across. So that's the last thing I think that we're thinking about. And there's always other factors that go in. So that's why I really don't try to go into the, the uh, speculation and the, the covert things that go behind to discredit what we're yeah. trying to do as a country. And I think that's where, you know, the biggest thing goes in like, okay, you know, outside looking in, if I was this person, why would I destroy property? If the message is, I want more people like me to be able to live and, you know, reduce the, the, the prison population, you know, that's been systematically in place since, you know, slavery, you know? Yeah. So, um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where 
we got to have some type of common sense because, it, it, you know, if you look through history, it's been the same cycle. So for these people to say all lives matter, yeah, yeah. we believe all lives matter too. But this is why we're fighting yeah. for this. Yeah, I mean, that's you know? the thing that always blows my mind too. And that's that's like the conversation that I like try to that's, – that's, it's kind of the way that I try to approach it when I have these conversations with people that, you know, you know – feel the need to you know kind of be in that all lives matter position or to like to like be anti blm because you know they're being fed a lot of content which is really only highlighting the violence you know what i mean um to me i don't right. know dude i look at blm as a movement and i i don't see how it's any different or it's not just a natural extension of the civil rights movement you know what i'm saying like <laughs> to me, this just seems like the next step in the right. process, right? Like, I don't know if, well, yeah, like I mean, an upgraded version. You have to refine it because let's remember the civil rights movement wasn't about getting new rights; it was about getting back the rights that were already <laughs> given, that were slowly taken away through segregation to everybody else. and Jim Crow. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. People forget that, like, just because the, the rights are gained doesn't mean that they're not able to be taken away. Um, and, and so it's it's always a push right. and a pull. It's always a battle that way. And to me, I just see Black Lives Matter as this is just the next step. It's the next extension of the civil rights movement because, I mean, racism, both overtly and covertly, it's not like it was solved in 68 or you know what i mean like it's not, it wasn't solved when we passed the civil rights act it was just getting us one step closer um yeah and, I, and I'm right <laughs> which which uh which which you think about it you know you know martin luther king's speech yeah. was 57 years ago man i mean i'm 34 and you're 38 no that ain't a lot of time ago you no, know i mean and, <laughs> at all I and mean, when you when you think yeah. about you know, the history of America, you know, we still haven't even reached the point where for half of our history, we didn't have black people as slaves. You know what I mean? Like, like for the majority of our history, slavery right. still existed at this point, like us getting away from slavery and, and us, um, making the steps that we need to, to find racial justice and racial equality. Like we're not there yet. Anybody who thinks that you can just step out of you know, hundreds of years of slavery and then things are like equal in like about like a hundred or like 150 years. Like you're crazy. It doesn't work that way. Like it's, it's just, it's just simply not the way that the world works. Um, we still got a lot of work to do and I do hope that more people, you know, come to see that and come to see that it's not about, um, it's not about giving to one group and taking away. It's not a zero sum game, right? Like for, for the black community to gain some wins here doesn't mean that the white community has to take L's all day. You know what I mean? Like all boats can rise together. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's actually, I think, one of the most fundamental, um, you know, misconceptions, especially among white working class people, right? Is like, for some reason, they see Black Lives Matter as, as like an enemy, when in reality, it's like if, if we actually got what we were asking for, 
right? The policies that Black Lives Matter is advocating for when it comes to prison reform or anything like that. White, poor white people would benefit from that as well, because a lot of these issues, a lot of these issues exactly. aren't strictly on the lines of race. A lot of them have to do with class as well, right? With class, um, because yes, sir. A poor white guy, well, not as likely. A poor white guy definitely is, you know, way more likely than than a wealthy white guy to end up in the prison system. Maybe not as much as, you know, a person of color, but they're 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 they're, they're it's definitely an increase. You know what I'm saying? If if that group of people, if you got white working class people and black working class people to actually come together, bro, it, it would be it would be the end. But they, you know, the game is to divide us and unfortunately right it seems like right now they're very good at doing that especially when it comes to the black lives matter movement and the kind of rorschach test that that creates in people you know like depending on who you are when you look at that what do you see right um right and i i back um, in june i mean the numbers mm -hmm. were that were in support of of black lives matter and what the movement was um, you know, had reached a, a tipping point where for the first time more than 50% of white people were on, were on board, you know, when they did polling on it. Since then, that's, it, that's slipped. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it has to do with, A, has to do with the violence, but not just the violence in itself, the fact that you've got news stations and you have an entire right-wing conservative echo chamber that exists on the internet to continue to flood these messages of, you know, the violence, the anarchy, the chaos, it's out of control, you know. And, and you know, and that that's what I was trying to say, you know, I, I may not be as political as the next person is, but um, I think we were talking that it just comes down to like you were saying ideology and also um, just being humane. You know, I might in a lot of the even these policies that these politics do have don't even hit the classes that we're in, you know. So um, for people to be solely engaged in what the policies that these people are bringing, yeah. it, it baffles me, you know, um, uh, you know. John McCain passed, you know, the first thing the president says, he's he's a loser, you know, because he got captured. And, but yet, you know, he got out, he used his privilege to get yeah. out of being drafted, you know. But then you look at people like Muhammad Ali, where he's like, I'm not going over and killing those Vietnam people yeah. because they didn't do nothing to my people. You know, even though the, the country I'm living in is killing my people every single day, yeah, they stripped his title and tried to put him in jail, you know. So, you know, so you know, you see those things through history and it's just, it's like, you gotta wake up, you know, and luck, you know, thankfully, you know, you were one of the sound people to be like, okay, I can't have somebody that I'm calling my friend going through this unjust system alone. Mm -hmm. I need to help him. I need to help them. I need to, you know, even when, when you look back and, and see like the civil rights movements and you know, white people were getting hosed and spit on and yep. called, you know, a Negro lover just for wanting the next person to have the same rights as them. Um, it's a different type of evil, you know. It's um I I think it's something that we 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 would never succumb to because 
we're so humble and open about these type of things and the hurt that we can see, you know, through movies, through TV, um, you know, through, you know, watching yeah. just life. Like I you said, know? I mean, I was so sheltered, you know, growing up uh, living in, 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 in all white neighborhood. And, you know, it's not like I was ever, you know, again, I wasn't ever overtly racist. Right. But I definitely benefited from, you know, different things of racism. Mm -hmm. And I can remember growing up and you, you hear things that sound so matter of fact, but then you look back on and you're like, Oh man, that was, that was, that was super racist. Like, and I didn't even question it because I was just a kid <laughs> hearing it. You know what I mean? Like, um, it took definitely me moving out to Philly and getting myself out of that comfort zone and experiencing, you know, something totally different and being in a melting pot and literally like, you know, you know, moving from a place where it's like, you know, I hardly ever saw, you know, black people to being like the only white dude on the block. You know what I mean? Like, um, it really changed my perception because I, I really got a, a bird's eye view of, of what really, you know, the differences are from you know places where i grew up and came from and and being you know in in a city or someplace where the the makeup is is very different um i am super thankful that i i decided to to do that you know what i mean like i i don't know man it it, it very much you know shaped or maybe like even reshaped a lot of you know, who I was and how I was able to see things, I think that were deeper than the surface. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cause you already had like that yeah. itch you wanted to scratch, but I feel like you being in the mix and, you know, I, one thing I think you being able to see, you know, life a mile, you know, at a time, you know, which you, you know, mm -hmm. always being a biker through the city, you know, you get to see different aspects and see, you know, the homeless people going through what they're going through and, you know, being in the heart of the city, um, you know, through different parts, South Philly. So you yeah. see different parts of the city and seeing where the different, you know, areas of the city are who they, you know, focus on. And, you know, because even though Philadelphia is majority black people, a lot of it still has racist people. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I live, I'm part of the black community and I, it, it pisses me off and it hurts me when I see other black people killing each other. But that has nothing to do with, nothing to do with nah. police killing black people um, because there's white people killing white people in their communities every single day. And that's when you say, that's another thing you say where the deflection comes off of the real matter of cops killing pe uh, black people. Opposed to okay, well y'all killing each other every single day. Yeah, it's three hundred deaths in Philly, but that has nothing to do with somebody who is sworn, who is, you know, when I look at them, I I I should feel a sense of protection. You know, I should be like, okay, my kids are gonna go out and be safe, not like, hey man, y'all might go out here and die. You know, let's not go out, let's not have a childhood because I don't want y'all to die. You know, I think both matters don't. No, don't no, have any so, correlation at all, you know. Man, so there's a couple of things I want to unpack there, right? Um, which is like, so for first and foremost, um, we'll start here, but I'll get back to it. Which is like, you can't compare people, like you can't compare civilians killing citizens to police killing citizens, right? There's straight up, those are two different things. 
Um, so it's like the first, that's the first place where they're unequal. And the second one is like, you know, we could talk about black on black crime all day and like people love to use that as some deflection away from having to actually talk about the real issue is, like, oh, these black people are. But the, the reality of the matter is like, that's actually part of another unfulfilled promise of this country, right? Because yeah, um, black yep. people kill black people, but the thing is, is like white people kill white people and like more, I, I'd have to look up the statistic, but I'm like pretty positive. More white people kill other white people in America every year than black people, right? And that's because there's more white people overall, first and foremost. And secondly, it's because people tend to kill people who live around them. So when you look at that, what that says to me is right. that's that's saying that we're still too segregated. That's saying to me like we're still we still haven't fulfilled the promise of actually integrating our country. Right? And so Nope. Cause you, you see it through I mean I mean you listen, listen, Agabuchi, you've been in the city for long enough to see the gentrification. I'm part of it, dude. Long enough to see you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what else yeah, to man. do because yeah. like, I still want to be a homeowner. I still want, you know what I mean? Like I still want to do these things, but like I'm, I'm part of, 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 of a thing that's happening that, that I do see actively as harming other people. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Cause even when, you know, I'm from, I'm from, um, you know, my grandma lived in West Philly and that was a, when I was growing up, that was a real yeah. bad part of the city. You know, there's people rolling dice on the corner, you know, uh, the, the the bar on Balmer Avenue, they, it got shot up, people were killed. But now I look at it, there's a ice cream shop next door, white people walking their dogs, and now it's more cops in the area than it was when I was a child because they're trying to protect, you know, you know the these, these universities, businesses, Probably their condos, and, you know, the credibility. Yeah, yeah, it's it's big business over... Um, life, man, and it's um, you know, I feel like if it if if we had more younger people, um, that were in charge of just m more so worrying about the humanity and the and the mental state of their yeah. the citizens, the city would be better. It would be less crime. It it would be less finger pointing. Um, you know, I don't know. I just that's just how I feel, and um, it's um, uh, it's just. It's just it's the time where things need to change, and um, it's just like this fight has been going on, um, you know, not only for black people, but even if you look back to slavery, when you know white people be, were getting killed for being part of the yeah. Underground Railroad, or you know, um, buying houses for black people during the segregation, um, you know, time, and you know, they're you know, them finding out about it, and then you know, taking these people homes and killing them. Uh, for trying to help mm -hmm. out black people, you know, so it's it's a thing where you instill fear. Right. Nobody's going to want to do anything. The unfortunate, you know, um, the unfortunate aspect I think to, it's, to all of that too uh, is that like just because of the sheer numbers, right? Uh, <clears throat> how the population of this country is made up is that like black people as a as a community as a whole as a collective can't make the gains. From a political perspective, right, and and in in the idea of like policies, you know, that would help to make things better and more equal, 
they legit can't do it without white people. Like, like, and that's the, that's like, that's like also mm-hmm. like kind of like a really screwed up aspect of it is like, just because the way that the country's makeup is made up and there's just so many white people, like you, you can't get any of that accomplished until you can get at least a certain portion of, of white people on board. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's, that's like mm-hmm. the hardest part. And that, and, um, you know, again, like as, as yeah. a white person who I think, you know, I like to believe that I see things pretty, pretty clearly, um, you know, I, I still haven't figured out what that, that, that magic formula is to, to, to get people to like open their eyes to this shit, to like, to really like, you know, wake up a bit and see that, you know, the world isn't fair. And like, all we're really asking for is to make it fair, you know, to make like, like let's all right. have like a level like a level playing field here um you akabuchi you ever hear of um this this lady her name was uh not was but is um arlie like horschild or <laughs> these last names be killing me um but she, but she's okay. a scholar from berkeley and i started she she uh wrote this book called Stranger in My Own Land. And um, I didn't read it, but I, I've listened to a lot of her interviews um, that she talked about. And she was saying that she she wanted to make a book talking about from the, the white person's aspect of how they felt mm. about equality. Um, and a lot, so what she did was she traveled to Louisiana and like interview uh, uh, different people. And a lot of them, you know, had this, uh, you know, we all had this idea of everybody waiting in line and there's this, which is the American dream. And you have like a map and the map is like of all of us going through this door of a quadly. So we're all standing in line and, you know, um, what what she was saying was that when you were talking about privilege is so blinded um, because they, you know, if, like, for example, when mm-hmm. Obama, you know, became a president, um, you know, their, their first thought was that, okay, we got a good person in office or we got somebody that's going to, you know, it was like, oh, they're just, they're, he's just here to marginalize and make the black people happy. Yeah. This is their president. Um, now I'm going to be, you know, now I'm going to be put on, the back burner and I'm gonna be put behind. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they stay, then they show the next mm-hmm. person, which is Donald Trump, um, how he's a savior of the white oppression because, you know, to certain white people, Obama was only here to make us happy and the fulfillment that we aren't, you know, we're, you, we're, know, you know, we're equal as it, them. It was funny too, you know, so the real irony of it is that I know so many black people that are like, so disappointed in Obama. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I I know a lot of I know a lot of people as well. But I was telling you earlier that, um, you know, politics. A lot of people don't you know don't realize that a lot of times it's not yeah. even the president that makes them up. You know, yeah. um, but it's funny because yeah. so. But every, I, so I can say that every, like legitimately are disappointed with with Obama because they felt that like you know he didn't do enough for the black community you know what i'm saying like so it's 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 so funny right that 
that that you have this segment of like white people who like legitimately like think that like all he ever tried to do was for like was for black people and like didn't care about anybody else because you you have like a, a pretty substantial you know i think segment of like the black population that wish that he would have done more you know and i also understand that like as the first black president he was also very constrained in like what he could do i mean let's face facts i mean like nobody wanted right. to work with him on anything you know what i'm saying like like you had a you had you had a republican party that basically nope. from the moment he took office you know said we're going to do everything we can to like prevent this guy from being able to accomplish anything you know what i mean like it, it's it's tough and i think you're right there where it's like i don't think that mechanics of the government you know work or, or how you know politics necessarily works all together i think we all look at the president and say like all right this is the guy like he's going to fix it all and forget that like congress holds you typically congress holds most of the power you know what i mean it's not a power yeah because we're not we're not right we're not a, a communist country and we don't have one person making you know the individual decisions so even if the president makes a decision they can still overturn it yeah. you know so, so like, i mean yeah i mean i think you know sometimes people forget that, that i think they as a as a country we put a little bit too much weight on the presidency in general um but i mean that's you know that's neither here nor that's kind of a different conversation but yeah i mean but, but i was i was saying to that i was saying to that point i was saying to the point was that um at the end of the day you yeah. want you want your leader to one be able to talk and you want to know that when they when you see them on tv you know like for example if when writing or when somebody shot up something, you know, Obama was never talking about uh, if he was talking about the violence, he was talking yeah. about the why behind it. And I feel like yeah. that's all we want. We want the why behind it fixed. We want the why behind it addressed and we want the why behind it talked about. And that's what we, you know, the, 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 the leader of the you know best country in the world should be able to do is speak and be able to comfortably speak, you know, you know, I'm thinking about yeah. when Chadwick Boseman died. I'm thinking about when John Lewis yeah. died, when John McCain died. This yep. person was at all their funerals. He he talked at them and he talked great things about them. You know, um, regardless of whatever person was trying to hinder him from being a president, he never ill ill no, hated them or talked about you them. Know. You know, you know, for better or for worse, and sometimes you know. If I'm going to be honest, I think sometimes to maybe his own detriment, he was a guy who wanted to try to bring people together and he wanted to try to find those areas of common ground, you know what I'm saying, so that we could have those conversations, so we could get deeper, so we could dig deeper. Obviously, that doesn't always work out, but I mean, I don't know, it's it's the model that most presidents, you know, have followed, you know, I can't, you know, even presidents that I disagreed with, you know, when push came to shove, you know, tried to unite the people of the country behind something you know what i mean um again even if i don't agree with it. Yeah. and that's fundamentally my yeah. biggest problem with the current president that we have is like yeah i've got a bunch of issues with his policies i've got a bunch of issues with um you know a variety of things but fundamentally it just comes down to like he's the only dude i've ever seen who like from the moment he got in like he's only been the president of his base you know what I'm saying? Like he's only served to try to divide people. He's never tried to be the president of all people. He's never tried to unite us in any way because obviously it doesn't serve him. It doesn't serve mm -hmm. his agenda. 
you know what I mean? And and I get that, but that's just like a level of like narcissism and selfishness that it, like those aren't the qualities that you want in the role. That that right, that nobody has that yeah, type of yeah, power you know, should those be. Those aren't the you qualities know? that you want in, in, in that role. Um, but yeah, dude, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a tough place to be. I mean, I I'm sure there have been times in America's history where things have felt worse. You know, tensions have been you know just as high or maybe higher. But I can say with absolute certainty that in my lifetime, and and you know, me and you are about the same age. So in our lifetimes, you know, the the moment that we're living in right now feels more tense and more divided, and more angry. Oh, no, than I've ever seen. No doubt, man. I think the last, right. I think the last time that it, I feel like it's, it's been, um, if not similar, was yeah. you know but when nine eleven happened for at least a little um, bit. Which tomorrow, you know what I'm right. saying? Oh yeah, for at least a little. Yeah, we we um, that's not happening at yeah. all right now. Yep. Even though, no, not at all. We um, because it's. It's just it's 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 so much division, and then the panic from this virus that you know before you know all the the, the radical supporters were saying yeah. it was fake, and you know these people aren't you know they're they're lying about the number. Even if if they're influctuating yeah. the numbers, it doesn't come down to yeah. American people are dying um, because of this. And you what you see on the recordings now that came out that you know he's. I know. Downplaying. Uh, I've been on vacation, um, so I've been trying to really not like pay attention to it. But I saw that one come across last night, and I was like, "It's just yeah. so, it's one of those things where it's like, of course he did. Like, I'm not surprised anymore. It's just like, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, not at all. We all knew it though. All the regular people yeah. Yeah. knew this shit already. But you know, the, the thing is, like, if you look at the if you no, if you look uh, at the pandemic and you look at Black Lives Matter and you see the way that the administration kind of views it and, and and a lot of those those radical kind of supporters it's it's um it's kind of through the same lens right what i was saying before like property over people right it's the same thing right like um they're, they're prioritizing businesses yep. over people's lives when it comes to the pandemic they're prioritizing businesses over people's lives when it comes to black lives matter you know what i mean like that's fundamentally that, that i i can never get down with that that's just not like I'll just never. No. But the crazy part is, bro, that even the people that own these businesses aren't even standing up to the protesters uh, to save, you know, to, oh, don't destroy my business. They're like, listen, mm-hmm. equality matters more yep. in this business. I have insurance. I'm going to get my money back. There's a virus. So pretty much yeah. my business is done anyway. Then you have people traveling 20 miles to save someone else's business. So now somebody, yep. you know, multiple people lost their lives because of the idea that you need to save businesses and property over cherishing people's lives that now has a ripple effect because these people are missing out of other people's lives and they're not having the impact they need to make the stance against the you know, yeah, and I think the malicious injustice, thing is like know? one of the scariest aspects of this whole thing. Like that's the thing that's kind of really got me going. You know, it's like, yeah, and man. here's the thing that's like messed up, dude. Is like I actually, you know, I don't know, man. 
there's a part of me that has like a bit of empathy for that kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he was like radicalized oh, yeah. online, you know, filled, filled his head with this blue lives matter back to blue, you know, anti BLM, you know, propaganda is, it's all chaos. It's all rights, you know? And, um, that's what got him out there in the first place. I mean, he's like 17 years old, um, you know, impressionable kid. Did anything that he do was right? No, right. absolutely. Should he get charged? Yes, absolutely. But I mean, like, again, like what got him out there? You know, where, how did we end up in this place that we got this kid out there? Um, and the fact, you know, he's, he's 17 years old. I think about when I was younger and recognizing, um, you know, the, the, the injustices, right? The, the inequalities, um, the racism and seeing that. And one of the things I always, I would hold in the back of my mind, you know, that would make me feel a little bit better was like, you know what though, you know, I know my generation, you know, we view things differently and, you know, time is going to help fix some of these things. And, you know, the, the next generations, they're going to get it too. But now I see a lot of these young, super right wing white supremacists um you know people they're all younger than me you know that's that's what's scary to me like yeah man like the promise was supposed that, to be that that us and, and the following generations we were supposed to grow out of this racism right like we things were supposed to right right because it's yeah, taught, it's taught right get better naturally and now i'm seeing a generation of at least a, a segment of the generation younger than me that is getting taken in with all this 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 online right wing propaganda and they get them slow you know it's it starts with little memes little jokes it normalizes it you know and the next thing you know you're going down these rabbit holes and then you know then you're out shooting protesters yeah i i went on i went in a rabbit hole just because i i wanted to see not even see but i wanted to know why they, you know, supported, you know, supporters first. I'm not saying I'm pro anything. I'm yeah. pro human life. I'm pro equality. I'm pro, you know, if you're, if you're gay, uh, if you're both, if you're in the process, whatever you are, you yeah. know, always stay true to yourself. And, you know, that has nothing to do with me. I, I don't have any ill towards any whatever you get down with, you get down with. But everyone should be able to be treated like you do you. You make yourself happy, like it ain't affecting me. You know, why should I what am I gonna get bent out of shape to try to stand in your way? You know what I mean? Like Right. Why do I care that you and now unless like you trying to come at me, then we need to have that talk like, hey, I don't get down like that. And then from there, now you know, and now we could be friends. You know, I know plenty of you know uh you know gay people you know male and female um that are the most amazing people in life you know um but that comes from a a place of being comfortable with who you are if i'm not gay why do i got a problem that you gay you know um i i you know and it's crazy because i've been told gay before from telling you know telling another man i love them you know, and I have to say, hey, just because I tell another man I love them, it doesn't make me gay. Um, because I, and my head yeah. is like, I love females. You know, so you just have to be comfortable with yourself. Um, and I think a lot of people who are homophobic, those are the closet ones. Those are the ones that don't want nobody else to know what they into, and they they're gonna go to bat. Uh, you know, for whatever you know, whatever 
idol, you know, in their head that they want to, you know, you know, proclaim to everybody else, you know. So it's it's a lot yeah. of people not living the no, truth to themselves. I think you definitely got something and, there, man. Um, I think it's, it's you know, and they might not all be like you know closeted, but I mean, well, I will say, you know, it's like you know, you, you tend to always run into these stories about you know people that you know were like you know, deeply religious or like into like gay conversion therapy, like, you know, led these, led these organizations that were like anti-gay, like coming out like 10 years later, you know what I mean? Like they, they invested so much of their time mm-hmm. into, into, into a, a movement because, you know, they were afraid. Now is that everybody? No. I mean, a lot of people got their reasons for being bigoted. Let's, let's be honest, you know, there's a whole wide reason there, but um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people just, you know, I think it comes down to whether they're gay, whether they're not gay, whether they're closet, whatever it is. I think you're right though. A lot of people don't live truths people are so worried about looking a certain way for society you know what i'm saying like that a society that don't care about you to begin with so why are you worried resentment where it's like you know i don't feel comfortable enough to live Mm -hmm. out my own Mm -hmm. truth and so like i'm resentful that you're doing it i don't know you know i mean it's it's tough it's it's not it's not the way that i think Mm -hmm. it's not the way that i think so i'll never know for sure right and let me let me ask you one thing before I, uh yeah. you know I'll let you enjoy the rest of your trip you know uh first of all I appreciate you spending over an hour with me I really didn't think that Honestly, we're gonna be talking that long I feel like <laughs> this is true this is true I, I you 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 are uh you have one of those um, voices and that energy that we could talk about the Muppets and it's like yo we it's eight thousand things that we could discuss about that you know so. But let me ask you this through your journey in life. Have you ever like, um, you know, dove into like mental health oh, at all yourself? Yeah. Um, I was resistant to it for like a really long time, honestly. And, um, yeah, man. Me I too, started, man. um, I should have been in therapy for a really long time. Um, so, I mean, it, it all really goes back to, I mean, if you've done therapy, if anybody who's listening has done therapy, it's like, you, we, we all know like how much of our hangups and how much of our issues get rooted back to our, our childhoods, right? Like it's, it's all, it almost all always goes back there. So my dad died when I was like 12, you know what I mean? Like um, he had like a, like Crohn's disease back when they couldn't really treat it and, you know, died from the complications of surgeries and stuff like that. Mm. It is what it is, you know, but I, um, you know, I never really did anything like counseling or any kind of like therapy, grief therapy or anything like that, you know? So from like 12, I hung on to like a lot, a lot of different things. Um, you know, my life kind of went sideways, you know, when I wasn't living with my dad anymore and I had to go like live with my mom, my stepdad and, you know, I was in a situation, you know, where, you know, we grew up like super poor. Um, you know, it was kind of abusive, the relationship between my stepmom and, and, or my mom and my, my stepdad and, you know, kind of growing up in that environment. And as a little segue, I'll say white people have struggles too, but none of those struggles were a product of the fact that I was black. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's, um, you know, I can grow up, white people can grow up poor, all those things. Right. So, again privilege right um so just to be clear i'm not you know um we all have struggles but not all of them are are the product of our skin but anyways right so dealing with a lot of that growing up and um it really i mean it really screwed me up pretty bad 
And, um, but I, you know, I always believed, you know, I was, because I was in an environment and grew up in an environment where I had to do a lot to take care of myself and I had to be independent. I believed that I always had to rely on myself for anything. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I think I was so resistant to doing therapy or trying to seek out any help was that the idea that I couldn't do it on my own meant that I was weak. Um, or at least that was the perception that I had. And so, I mean, to be honest with you, it's just like, it took a bunch of failed relationships because I didn't really understand how to be in a relationship because a good relationship was never modeled for me, you know, as a child, um, you know, me, mm-hmm. you know, just not being able to be good. At, like I eventually just had to get myself into a place where I could, I could feel okay. Like I felt like I was carrying so much baggage around with me that I didn't like talk to anybody about, um, for so long. And I felt like, there was a part of me that was like the outside facing me was like a projection of the person that I wanted to be. And the person that, you know, I actually was, was like a secret, if that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, that, um, to, to piggyback yeah. off of that, to piggyback off what you said, I definitely agree with you hundred percent. You know, my mental health journey didn't start until, um, uh, maybe two years three years maybe. Um, and I think the real impact was when I was at T-Mobile, my mom was yeah. killed. I don't, re- I don't remember that, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I at that point, I still didn't get help. And that was like my first year of marriage. And it was very hard for me to be um, active in my kid's life and in my wife's life as well, because I had so much baggage prior to my mom being killed that now starting to come up to the surface, like, you know, a, a clock sink, you know, slowly mm-hmm. it's starting to bubble up, you know. Um, and it got to a, a, a to the ceiling where I couldn't deal with it anymore. I was yelling more. I was yeah. uh, becoming violent, um, you know, thinking about hurting myself, um, yep. you know, sad all the time. Um, and I, you know, you got to go through that. You know, you see a projection, you look in the mirror and you're like, okay, this is, you know, this is a shell of me. This is not who I want my kids to see, who I want my friends to see, who I want my wife to see. Now it's time for me, you know, to, to you know, I, I grew up the same way as you. Only, you know, my dad was there, but he really wasn't there um, yeah. for, uh, you know, other reasons. But you end up having that mentality of I got to take care of myself. It's only going to be me till the wheels rock off. And you don't get fully yeah. vulnerable with anybody. Because you know that they might pull the rug underneath you at any time. So you got to be prepared for that. And then you fail these, you fail, you get in these relationships with women and you fail them mm-hmm. because of your insecurities. Um, if not, uh, you know, if you're not doing it, um, no, it's not you know, uh, on purpose, um, it might, yeah, it's not intentional. It's something where we didn't grow up seeing you know, loving people love each other. It was so much toxic yep. to where that's all we know, but we really don't want that, but we don't have any other way to navigate through it because we've never had the examples to get it, to, to be able to yeah, I mean, in the know most, what in that the most, feels what like, you know? Is, and maybe you would relate to this as well, but like in the most simple terms, um, because of my independence, because of the idea that I felt like I always had to rely on myself, um, 
I never learned how to put other people before me. Right. And and so nope. not in a malicious way and not in a way where like I'm actively trying to harm other people, but even in little decisions in life, I always prioritize myself because that was how I had to survive as a kid. It was by prioritizing myself. So mm-hmm. essentially it's like I was living a very selfish life even when I didn't realize it. And it took that, 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 that mm-hmm. ruined so many relationships for me. Right. And it took me being in a relationship, you know, in the relationship that I am in now that I've been in, you know, for, you know, going on like five years now, it took getting to a point within this relationship of, of, you know, almost losing it because I didn't understand how to not prioritize other people. Um, that's what eventually drove me mm-hmm. in you know, was realizing like I had made so many excuses for relationships that I had in life, you know, of the different reasons why they ended and why they weren't my fault. Or in some cases I would like actively choose out partners that I knew like there was going to be an expiration date on that, like from the gate so that I wouldn't have to worry about the Mm. feeling of losing, you know, because it was like I, I was prepared for that loss from the beginning. Yeah, you put a yeah. date on it, so it you already, already protected yourself. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. but, dude, I, I kind of like I'm, I'm yeah. in my mid thirties. Like, how long am I going to keep wasting time? You know, making the same mistakes over and over, and just finding new excuses as to why I don't <laughs> I don't need to assume any responsibility. You know what I mean? And um, that that's what right. got me there, man. And I've been doing it for about two years or so now. Um, I think we're done. Yeah, so we it sounds like we started time. our journey do, around the same I do time. And therapy and maybe then I do yeah. a couples therapy um, as well, you know, just because it gives us an opportunity to communicate better. Um, you know, it's like if there's something that's like really yeah. tough and I don't always know how to talk about it or I don't know how to broach that conversation because it's still not something that I'm comfortable with because I'm not used to it. It's like I know that in the next two weeks, we're going to be in a place where I'm not going to have any other choice but to bring it up. Right. And it's actually like relieving to know that like, there's this environment I can go to where I know I'm going to have a chance to talk about this. And even if it comes off wrong, we're going to have an opportunity to work through it. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I think that's the, I think that's the important piece, you know, that your partner knows that you are actively yeah. doing everything sound to protect your mental health, but also they know that we're doing this because we don't want to mess up what we have. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, thing. it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's for me, it's for the relationship, it's for, it's for a lot of different things, but they all, you know, they all coincide. But, um, you know, what's mm-hmm. funny is that like, I, I was always so resistant mm-hmm. to therapy. I was so resistant to therapy. And, um, even like when I first started doing it, there was like a period of time where like, I was like, oh man, like I don't even really want to like let people know about it or anything. You know what I mean? Like I, I still keep this to myself. It's it's funny how, and I notice this. I think I notice this with you, right? Just kind of following along with your journey, you know, from a distance. And I notice it with myself. I notice with other people who have kind of, you know, finally taken the plunge and, and said, I need help. It's crazy how quickly um, you become comfortable talking about it. It's crazy how quickly you know you you yeah. recognize the benefits that it has to you and it's like you can't you, you like you want to let other people know like especially people that are close to you that you know that they got struggles too and it's like hey like 
you you become like this advocate for it you know in a sense like in, in such a short period of time where you were so resistant to it that you would never even do it yourself and then you know it's like you snap your fingers and the next thing you know you're trying to encourage people to help themselves um that's kind of a beautiful part of of the whole journey as well <laughs> but i i but to, to to piggyback off of that um i'll give you an example like my first day at my new job um i was talking to this young lady and i said to her i said i, I said what she was telling me i said you know i, I really think that yeah. therapy will help you and she looked at me yeah this is somebody i just met she said, well, why do you say that, Julian? And I said, because the things that you're telling me are things that by you going to therapy will help yeah. you, will help relieve that tension. And I tell you not, man, I, I gave her a recommendation for a therapist, not my particular therapist, but another one that I went to before. Um, and I, I recommend it and say, hey, look, this is where you start at. And this is where you get, you know, all your, uh, all your, pain, your your strife, all that, you go there and you dump it. And I, I'm telling you, nine out of 10 times, you're going to be a better person. Um, you know, and you could always see, you could feel that energy that somebody's given that they're in a better mm -hmm. mental space. You could tell, like, even without me asking that question, I knew that you were going through that. You know, I could tell that you were going through that just by the, the way your words were coming off. You're, they're, they're not held with no anger. They're not held with no uh, aggression. Um, those are, are words that are coming off. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a man that's going and finding his peace and being comfortable with it. And I feel like if a lot of us, especially men, um, you know, white men, black men, uh, purple men, whoever you are, you know, it, you, you need to go, um, and seek the help that, is out there um, that you can go it, it, now with the pandemic they you know they're doing Google Meets now um, so there's ways to find to get help and if you are upset and you're depressed and you have anxiety um, if you're sad about your dad dying your mom dying your friend your cousin you know go out and get some help opposed to you going out and killing somebody because of that anger you know um, you know so uh, you know, with that said, um, you know, I, I, I always leave my shows with a, a call to yeah. action. So um, I, I want to just kind of take some things that I got from our conversation, um, you know, that I'm going to take and I'm going to move and I'm going to move forward with. And, you know, as they say, you know, you always, you know, you pass it along, right. you know, you pass it to the next person because that bit of information can make or break somebody's mental. Um, the, the the things that I took away from your from our conversation today, um, Ant, was that, you know, it sounds like there is a lot of white people that know that they are privileged, um, and that we have to do a better job of being comfortable with having the conversations. Like, yeah, I know I'm, I I have a privilege based on my skin, but that's not who I am. You know, that's not the, that's of course that's going to be the perception that the millions of the people in, in, in this country are going to go by, but the real people know that a, a lot of us know that, yeah. you know, you know that you're privileged, but how many of us are asking, what are you doing with that privilege? And do you know that you actually have it 
you know? So um, I wanted to take that part and also, you know, piggybacking with the mental health. Um, it's very important, man. It's, um, it's something that I hope you continue going through. It's something that yeah. I know that's going to make you a better person. And, um, um, you know, if, if you start going through your political, your political, you know, part, you know, just know that you're going to have somebody there with you that is going to be able to, you know, be on the front lines with you, um, you know, and, and stand for what you stand, because I know at the end of the day where your heart is. And um, I, I feel like more people need to be like us and, and like you uh, as far as a white well, man in listen, America. Jules, you know? I, again, man, I really appreciate you, you know, um, asking me to kind of, you know, jump on and have this conversation with you. Um, it, it really does mean a lot, you know what I mean? that you know when you were thinking to yourself you know you wanted to bring on somebody you know you know who was white to have that conversation with that you know you, you thought of me um it really it really means a lot to me. um even 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 if not to cut into you even if there was not all this bullshit going on with quality and all that the mental health aspect i can see man i can read the words that you're putting out and I know that that's somebody that's going yeah. through a mental health journey. So regardless if if you was black, white, latino, whatever the case may be, we yeah. had to ha we need to have this talk. You know, when I started this platform, I feel like some someone something came to me and told me what I need yeah. to do and who I need to talk to. And one of the people along my journey it had to be you if it was now, if it was Next year, whatever the case may yeah. be, we need and, to have and I will talk. say to you, man, yeah, all the political stuff aside, yeah. dude, um, I really hope that if, if there's anything from the conversation that, you know, can reach out to anybody, it is that mental health piece. And I hope, you know, any of the future conversations that you're having with, with other people, you know, that that conversation keeps rolling because, you know, I don't know who, who still needs to hear it, but, you know, they need all to hear it. it you know what I mean, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, not have to bear you know the burden of everything alone and, and and to do it silently like that that will break you you can only do it for so long you know what i mean That's like a lot, we, we man. all can only carry so much weight before our knees buckle you know what i'm saying like so if you've been even thinking about it if you've been on the fence if you've been saying you know i gotta do something but i just don't know what to do i'm telling you just go go find somebody go talk to somebody and It'll start. It'll put you down a path, man. That's gonna make yeah. you feel so much better. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate, man. We we're definitely gonna have another talk soon. Um, I'm always open for it, bro. You know, uh, because I I, re I really I really enjoy your spirit and you as a person. You know, so uh, continue making you know your girl a very lucky person. Person, man. Um, I'm pretty sure on both ends. Yeah, yeah, man. And 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 that's where the mental health piece comes from, like you said, now when you start thinking about other people, now you have to look at how am I going to make my energy better for not only mm -hmm. myself, but for us, you know, and vice versa on her end. And now y'all come together and now y'all, y'all making a collabo, you know? So, um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And, you know, um, besides, no, if you have man, anything I think else, we're man, good, I think but yeah, thanks you, again man. for, for asking me to be on and, um, the only other thing I'll say, man, is I, I can't wait till we're out of this pandemic and maybe me and you can get together for a little FaceTime, man. 
yeah dude anything dude <laughs> yeah just, grab a beer man. i need to i need to see i need to see my people again man it's been rough yeah it, it has yeah. I, i've been literally in the bubble um and when i look outside the bubble it's it's only hurt and anger so i always have to bring normally i was i started bringing people to my house and we were sitting down in my basement and having these but luckily that i'm actually able to call out uh it hasn't been the best but hopefully my listeners are actually understanding that um yeah. we're still dealing with technology but it's 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 the um it's the message behind all the bs it's we are advocators for mental health uh from a man's standpoint it's always okay for women um to go and get the help because you know society makes them look like they're weak as it is now you know so to them it's always okay for us as men it's always we got to put our chest up and we got to be this uh this rock and you know at the end yep. of the day we have emotions just like women do you know we have feelings and um the more more women that are advocating for us to go um it we will all be better people 100%, collectively man. 100%. You know? all right and take care of yourself bro thanks for being on uh you take care man. Take, you later, take care man deep story it's just a, a story that feels true you take the facts out you take the moral judgments out and you have a picture a metaphor for what goes on in this people are waiting in line as in a a, a pilgrimage to the top of a hill where there's the american dream people have been waiting in line a long time they feel deserving their feet are tired, the line hasn't moved in many years. And then they see uh, some people cutting in line. Who is that? That would be blacks who now have access to jobs that used to be reserved for whites. That's women now have access to jobs reserved formerly for men. Uh, immigrants and refugees and now endangered animals all seem to be getting ahead of you having cut in line then people notice Barack Obama a representative of the federal government seeming to wave to the line cutters he has sponsored them indeed the federal government comes to seem like an instrument of their marginalization it has indirectly put them back you're now at the back of the line and um, no one's really uh, paying attention to you. And then someone ahead of the line turns around and says, oh, you're a Southern, ill-educated, Bible-thumping redneck. And then you feel estranged. There's a moment in which you feel like now a stranger in your own land. And you're kind of stuck until one day someone comes along magisterial figure, powerful, who sees and recognizes your, your estrangement and says, I'm going to give you your country back again.